Sports Talk Radio for the Brainerd Lakes. 1380 KLIZ AM. Brainerd Baxter, the fan. It's time for Lakes, Woods, and Irons at 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Featuring Colin McDonald and Chris Foley. Today's broadcast is sponsored by Craigan's Legacy Courses, Tito's Handmade Vodka, Rutgers Bay Lake Lodge, The Tea Hive, The Holiday Station on Mill Avenue, and Maury's Market. Streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com, sponsored by Mills GM. And now, here's Chris Foley and Colin McDonald for Lakeswoods and Irons at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan, streaming at KLIZ.com. That thanks to our sponsor, Mills GM, the home of affordable luxury, the 2019 Buicks. Chris Foley with me, of course. Chris, uh, here we go again, and a a big week uh, coming up, particularly on the uh, ladies' tour. It's the uh, uh, U.S. Women's Open, and... uh, you're familiar with the uh, golf course, the Country Club in Charleston. Yeah, the Country Club of Charleston. It's a great old classic design golf course by Seth Rayner, who's one of the kind of golden age architects. And uh, uh, he was known as a, a – did a lot of template holes. He and C.B. McDonald and uh, a couple other great classic golf course architects. But the Country Club of Charleston is a fantastic golf course. And uh, it's unique. It's got a couple of square greens and uh, and a, a rattan hole, and uh, it, it'll be it'll be a great uh, venue for the ladies this week. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And uh, we've got a guest coming up, Ruth uh, Kimmelshue, the chair of the uh, KPMG Women's PGA Championship, which is coming up, of course, in Minneapolis at Hazeltine. That'll be the next major. So, who knows? Got kind of a fun, a uh, cu- couple of fun young players on the tour now that are making a little bit of a splash. This. Bronte Law from Scotland, you were, we mentioned before we went on talking to each other. And uh, she can really go low and kind of an exciting player. And she's got a uh, one of the trendy young players from the U.S. that's a good buddy of hers. So uh, nice to have a couple of uh, uh, kind of, I don't know, hip golfers that are moving to the top of the LPGA leaderboards. Yeah, we'll talk more. Bronte had a great week last week winning, uh, uh, coming down the stretch, just uh, uh, shot a low score. and. And had a great week, and we'll we'll talk. We'll find out more about uh, kind of the. They've got a great field for the KPMG, and uh, yeah. one of the the best uh, events of the year, and right in our backyard. That'll be a good guest coming up at Colonial. It's kind of a more traditional uh, hit it down the middle, maybe a little bit shorter course on the men's side of things, and uh, that's Kevin Na's game, and uh, he uh, he was in control at the Colonial. He played very very well, and it just uh, fits his style. Uh, you had mentioned something he said before that I hadn't heard him say, but uh, he likes Colonial. Yeah, but, you know, before the event, he uh, um, he said, you know, there, this is one of about six golf courses on tour where I even have a chance to win, which is pretty introspective. But uh, uh, he obviously played very well, winning by four, and really had it on cruise control coming in. And uh, great showing from from Jordan Spieth. He didn't have a great last round, but man, he he. Uh, his putting was incredible this week, which is one of the things that's been holding him back. You know, he had, he was uh, uh, almost ten strokes gained, ten shots on the green through through three rounds, which was pretty phenomenal, and made over four hundred feet of putts. And then the last round, he only made into, I think nine feet of putts, so he didn't didn't hit it very well and didn't didn't strike it very well Sunday. But uh, great great play by Kevin Na and Tony Fanu. Uh, uh, he, he he's kind of a, he's going to be a breakthrough player, I think, this year. He, he's played awfully well. He just kind of uh, seems to get second a lot or third. He's right there and yeah. uh, doesn't have that big push on the final day, which he definitely would have needed to get past Nye. That was just uh, yeah. his golf course. I just feel like uh, I like that. It's uh, a little bit more like it used to be. There was a kind of a variety of courses. Uh, the long hitters is uh, probably maybe what sells tickets for one thing. So all the golf courses are getting longer because players like to hit it longer. So right. uh, they're manufacturing clubs for uh, guys like me and uh, the regular golfers who like to hit it longer too. So uh, not that we can hit it as far as the tour, but what I'm saying is the game is, uh, you know, I think the popularity of the long ball is uh, is changed the game quite a bit. Oh, for sure. And a course like Colonial. That's a tough geez. one. 
boy. <laughs> Colonial is, you know, it, it's not so much bomb and gouge. You can, uh, uh, you have to drive it a little more precisely. It's not that long. So it brings the field a little more together and which is, is perfect for, uh, for Kevin Nas game and, um, came through on Sunday. Another interesting thing that we'll, we'll know more results about, uh, as, uh, we get to, toward the weekend, but, uh, uh, high school girls, high school boys, uh, as we as we do this show, the girls are in their second day, and the boys will be starting today on this uh, first segment we do on Wednesday, typically. So, uh, But I wanted to mention Katie Foley. She had <laughs> shot a 79 the first day. Is that, is that the best round she's ever shot competitively? Be- best com- competitive round, yeah. yeah. She, was, she, was very, she was excited about it, and it's... Yeah. Uh, She's been working hard on games, so it's nice to see that uh, that come through. So fingers crossed in the second round here today. Yeah, and yeah. the the girls are only seven shots out. So uh, in a two day event uh, for the ladies, that's uh, that can easily be made up. So let's uh, hope we all have a good day to, today with the team. Yeah, man, both teams with uh, the boys as well. It just feels like the boys have had uh, good momentum here down the stretch. Uh, they've gotten, we talked about it uh, throughout the, the early part of the year here, they've got six kids who've gone uh, relatively low, probably under 75, some quite a bit lower than that. But uh, uh, if they can uh, just get four uh, to really play well, yeah. which it could happen, four out of the six, certainly they've done it this year, and uh, uh, maybe they can breathe down to put a little pressure on Alexandria. Yeah, if if, if we can have, you know, all, all of those kids are capable of shooting between 70 and 75, and if we can have a score of, uh, you know, 290, 294, somewhere in there for two days, that they uh, they can definitely get her done. That would be fun. Yes. Do have a great guest coming up, uh, Ruth uh, Kimmelshoe. What a uh, coup for Minneapolis to get the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, and we'll talk to Ruth. And uh, kind of find out uh, the logistics of that great tournament coming up after this. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley and Colin McDonald at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, The Fan, and streaming at KLIZ.com. Available now on Podcast One as well. Streaming brought your way by. Uh, Mills GM, the home of affordable luxury, the 2019 Buicks. Chris, very special guest with us and a very special event coming up in Minnesota. Yeah, I want to welcome Ruth Kemmelshu, who's the chair of the 2019 KPMG Women's PGA Championship at Hazeltine. Welcome to the show, Ruth. Oh, Thanks so much, Chris. It's great to be with you. So we've got, uh, it's an exciting summer for golf in Minnesota, as, as it always is, but we've got another major at at Hazeltine National coming up with the the ladies being there uh, June 18th to the 23rd. That's right. We are so excited to kick off the summer season with this event. Um, the KPMG PGA Women's Championship is one of the five majors on the LPGA Tour, and uh, we expect it to attract 156 of the world's top women golfers. It's going to be a great event, and we'd love to see as many people coming out to see it as possible. Yeah, it's going to be a great event. Tell us some of the players that you have committed so far to the field. Well, as I said, it's going to be the top 156 um, of the best women's golfers, and uh, we for sure will see the winners from the previous four years. Um, last year, Sung Hyun Park won in a two-hole playoff against So Yun Ru and Nasa Hataoka. And that was a really exciting finish to uh, last year's event. Uh, Danielle Kang won the year before that. She's a golfer who's originally from Southern California. Uh, Brooke Henderson won the year before that, who is uh, originally from Canada. And then Inby Park, who's a well-known name on the women's tour, uh, won in 2015. So we're looking forward to continuing with the excitement. Absolutely. You know, the players to watch this year... um, the Corda sisters are expected to be here. Uh, um, we look forward to seeing Lexi Thompson. We look forward to seeing Lydia Coe, who comes from comes from New Zealand. Um, and then closer to home, um, Amy Olson, who hails from North Dakota, uh, is expected to be in the in the group as well. And 
She came very close to winning um, one of the five women's majors last year at the Evian uh, Championship. And so we'll be watching Amy for hopefully to pull out an almost hometown win. We kind of claim Amy as a Minnesotan. (laughs) (laughs) Close enough. Yeah, we'll take we'll take Brooke Henderson from just to the north too. <laughs> there you go. There yeah, you go. she's That's having great. a good year too. Yeah, uh, you know, Ruth, I, I I've been to a couple of a uh, couple Solheim Cups and a couple other ladies ladies events, and uh, you know, one, one of the things that I've always found so so much fun about the ladies events of a person who hasn't been there is how much more engaging the players are, and really they they really embrace the fans and. Um, talk to them and especially during the practice rounds and, and I, I think if, if a person hasn't been to an event before it's a, it's a great opportunity to experience that you know that's exactly right um, the LPGA tour works very very hard to um, be inclusive and also to be engaging and you know I've been to the Solheim Cup as well I've been to this event the previous two years uh, when it was down in Chicago and, you know, it's a great experience. You can get right up to the ropes. You can see the players, um, and they are great. For those of us who are casual golfers, these women are truly remarkable. Um, and they interact with the fans. And, um, you know, they love to see the young um, kids come out. They will engage with the young kids. But they interact with the fans. You feel like you're right there in the action. Um and you get to see how great great they are at the game, which is also super inspiring. So uh, it's a great venue. You know, Hazeltine has hosted major championships um, for most of its um, 56 years. Actually, our first major championship was the U.S. Women's Open, which was in 1966. And the course, of course, opened in 1962. So um, we love kind of bookending our our current list of championships with that first uh, U.S. Women's Open that we had and then uh, the KPMG um, PGA Championship. So it's exciting. Let's talk a little bit about Ruth. We mentioned uh, just before we went on the air, uh, KPMG is such a good sponsor, and you want to mention kind of their, their goals and uh, as a company and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's they have um, taken on the opportunity with this event to really reinforce a strong belief that they have uh, around diversity and especially around supporting women on and off the golf course. And so um, their theme for this event is inspire greatness. And they look at ways to inspire greatness on and off the golf course, um, whether that's in professional, in the professional realm, whether that's in uh, the educational realm, the, the charity that's associated with this event is one that KPMG supports and it's a future leaders program that provides scholarships to young women who are remarkable scholars and remarkable individuals, but who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford to go to college. And so each year they sponsor, oh, a dozen or so young women with these college scholarships. Um, and so that's another benefit that the golf, court, the golf event provides. Um, and then in conjunction with the tournament on the Wednesday before tournament play starts on the 20th, so on the 19th of June this year, uh, KPMG hosts a women's summit um, that will have about um, 300 or so future leaders in business and industry, and all of them women who have the potential to reach the C-suite at some point in the next five to ten years. And it's really an opportunity that they have to kind of pay it forward. And historically, they've had some really remarkable names uh, speaking at the event. Um, this year, um, uh, Condoleezza Rice will be there again, and she has been at the event the last couple of years. Um, they've had Ginny Rometty before. Um, they just put together a really top list of strong women in various walks of life, business, uh, sports, um, uh, you know, um, philanthropic areas, but really remarkable people for the women who are attending to listen and learn from. And so that's just another really cool um, kind of component of the whole week. Yeah, that, that's, that's a neat deal. Having heard Consolisa Rice speak before, she's outstanding. Ruth, tell us, yeah. about, tell us about some of the other things that are taking place, kind of the schedule of the week 
and some of the other things surrounding the event? Sure. Well, so the the week starts off. It's uh, on the 18th of June, um, and that will be the first day of um, pr- uh, practice for the players. So the the tournament actually runs the 18th through the 23rd. Tournament play is the 20th through the 23rd. So the 18th and 19th will be practice rounds. The 19th, of course, will also be the women's summit. Um, the 18th will be a pro-am in addition to um, uh, allowing the players to practice. And so for both of those days, the 18th and the 19th, people can come out and watch. Um, and the ticket prices for those days um, to allow for grounds access are really reasonable, $20 a ticket for Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, and then, of course, tournament play starts on Thursday. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Ticket prices on uh, Thursday and Friday are $30. And on Saturday and Sunday, they're only $35. And those are for adults. Um, kids 17 and under get in free with a paying adult. And um, and each adult is allowed to bring four kids with them for free. Um, and then active and retired military are also free, kind of in honor of um, the service that those individuals provided to our country. If you can't decide what day you want to come out, you can purchase any day flex tickets for $40 a day, which is a great option. Um, if you need to have that flexibility. And then if you want to come up for the entire week, which is I'll be out there the entire week, come and find me, um, the weekly ticket package is $100. And again, parking on site, full access to these golfers in ways that you haven't experienced at some of the men's events. Um, they're going to play a tough golf course. Uh, the yardage is expected to be 6807, so 6,807 yards. That's longer than... A lot of a lot of the men members actually play, um, and the rough. I was out there last weekend. It's thick and it's going to be kind of long and it's tough. And so, from personal experience, you don't want to end up in the rough. <laughs> and so, we'll see if the, these women can keep it in the fairway um, and just attack the course. We're excited to see how they do. Well, it rained for the first half of the month of May, so it thickened up the rough a little bit. I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> it did. <laughs> Logistics, Ruth, for uh, just getting the course ready the last um, six months, a year, I suppose, have just has just been a, uh, a fun project, but certainly a huge project. It is a huge project. You know, we're super fortunate um, to have a great uh, grounds crew, and uh, we were very, very lucky, or um, or at least the grounds crew did their great work um, in that we came out of the winter without any significant damage to the course. And you may know that that's not necessarily the case for some of the other courses in the Twin Cities. And so we're really happy with that. The course is in beautiful condition. Uh, we will, um, it will be closed to all member play starting on the 12th of June. And so at that point in time, we will be getting it ready for the tournament. Um, and that should give us plenty of time to make sure that it's in tip-top shape um, and that the greens are fast and the rough is tough and uh, the fairways look beautiful, and then we can all come out and enjoy watching the women play it. Well, it'll be another uh, another great uh, great week at Hazeltine National, just so, like we've done in the past. So, Ruth, we appreciate you coming on the show and uh, uh, sharing everything about the week, and we'll, we'll look forward to getting down there in, in a couple. Best way for uh, people to get tickets one more time, Ruth? Uh, the best way to get tickets is to go to kpmgwomenspga.com, and all of the tickets and the pricing are online um, and really easily accessible. And uh, if the kpmgwomenspga.com is too hard to remember, pga.com, you can go on there, and it has a direction um, to get you to, to the ticket site. So uh, it's a great way to access those tickets. And I just encourage everybody to come out and see some great golf at a beautiful championship golf course. Boy, at a great price, too. Those tickets are so reasonable. That's fantastic to get next to the best golf swings in the world. The women have the best swings ever. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Ruth, thank you very much for taking the time. We sure appreciate it. Thanks, Ruth. It is. It's my pleasure. Thanks, guys. We appreciate the support. Ruth Kimmel, shoot chair of the KPMG Women's PGA Championship coming up at Hazeltine. Again, the week of June 18th through the 23rd. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fans streaming at KLIZ.com. Thanks to our sponsor, 
Mills GM, now available at Podcast One as well. And uh, we want to re-air an uh, uh, interview here that we've had several requests to uh, hear again. It's Trip Bowden. He is a raconteur and author, former caddy at Augusta, and he has a great book out there called The Caddy's Cookbook. And uh, that is available, a personalized uh, signature from Trip. If you go through tripbowden.com, tripbowden.com, T-R-I-P-P-B-O-W-D-E-N.com, you can get a, a personalized copy from Trip. I think maybe you'll want one after you hear this interview. Here's Trip Bowden on Lakes, Woods, and Irons. He's got a good, great new book out called The Caddy's Cookbook. Uh, welcome to the show, Trip. Thanks, Jens. Honored to be here, as always. You know, it. Uh, I, I mentioned off-air, it... Uh, uh, th- this isn't exactly the Augusta Nash- or the, this isn't exactly the Augusta Junior League's cookbook that they put out on a, a yearly basis, but it's uh, kind of an insider's look at Augusta National, along with some of the uh, some of the great food around. Well, thank you for saying that. It's actually, uh, as I mentioned too, off air, that uh, they follow the rules and I do not. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's. Um, it's a good way you call it an insider's look. It's uh, it's it's probably the only inside look that uh, could be done that way because no one knew the inside of that place like I did. I was very blessed and fortunate to uh, grow up out there, and and many of those recipes were actually made at our house um, from Freddie Bennett, and who got them from Chef Clark, who was the handpicked chef from uh, Mr. Roberts, Clifford Roberts, the founder of the club, and Freddie would would bring various uh, let's just say gifted food items to the house and cook them in our kitchen that's that was growing up so it was pretty pretty special trip for for those who don't know t- tell give us a little bit about your background and and who freddie bennett is and kind of uh lead us into your inspiration for writing writing this book well um i first meet freddie when i'm 10 years old and had moved from a neighborhood where i knew everyone to a neighborhood where i knew no one over on wheeler road which is only about five minutes from the Augusta national and i'm in the kitchen uh, where I hung out quite a bit in my youth, and I'm having a little chilly, and it's summertime, and there's a knock on the door, and and it's uh, it's it's Freddie Bennett, and I I go and open it, and he says, "Hey man, it's Freddie, in my doctor home," and I said, "Yeah, pops in the back, uh, yeah, come on in," and he takes the steps two at a time, and he's just this mammoth of a man, he's got such a presence, and he shakes my hand, and he says, "You must be Trip, I've heard all about you," and he it's the first handshake I remember as a kid, and I was thinking, well, what is there to know about me? And Pop walks in, they start talking, and then I sit back down, and Pop says, come on, Freddie, let's go into my office, which was uh, our den, which had a bar in it, which was pretty cool. <laughs> and his Pop's idea of Dr. and Freddie was uh, a glass of scotch, Chevis Regal, and some Spanish peanuts with the skin on, and checking his blood pressure and telling him he's going to live, and they just start telling stories. And <laughs> I got to go in there with him. And which was the first time ever to be in part of like an adult conversation. And Freddie's going on and on about this club. And I was very removed from the game of golf at that, at that time in my life. In fact, I hated it. I, I wanted to go fishing or kick a soccer ball, anything but golf. Because my dad, he played golf and I felt like he took my dad away from me. So Freddie's on and on about this club. And he turns to me and he says, I hear you don't like golf, but I hear you like to fish. And I said, man, I love to fish. He said, that, that does it. We're going to go to the club tomorrow, and we're going to go fishing. I said, all right, great, the club, cool, cool. And I say to myself, well, what's, what's he talking about, the club? And I said, well, you know, I got a, a, Revco, a Zepco uh, rod and reel. Just got it for uh, Christmas. He said, oh, man, no rod and reel. He said, that'll, that'll only slow you down. I'm thinking, slow me down? What are you talking about? So we go out to the club, which, of course, turned out to be, this is the summertime. The, the club is closed. This is Augusta National Golf Club. Two and then Magnolia Lane. Hop in Freddie's personal golf cart, zip on over to the par three with these cane poles that he cut from the bamboo that grows on number four. He made these cane poles himself. And we're just catching the brim in as fast as you can sling them up on the bank. Then he put them on a stringer. Just throw them in the cooler and let's go. And <laughs> I've never seen fishing like that in my life. And he was right. The Zepco rod and reel would have slowed me down. I'm talking about in the water. Boom, on the, on the land. There you go. And Freddie turns to me and he says, I know you don't like golf, but have you ever given it a chance? And I thought, I've never had a question poised to me quite like that before. And I said, no, I haven't. And he said, all right, man, let me show you something. So he shows me the golf grip, the Hogan grip, you know, with the crook of your finger and the sort of meaty palm of your hand, just one finger. And I'm holding on onto the cane pole like that. And he says, all right, pulling a fish. 
and I'm weighing about 12 pounds at this point in my life. I'm a tiny little kid, and he puts the cane pole in the water. I'm holding on to it with one finger, and I'm pulling a fish, and I said, that's golf? He said, that's golf. And I was hooked, no pun intended, hooked for life. <laughs> and thanks to Freddie Bennett, I was uh, blessed enough to make my high school golf team, uh, which was an accomplishment considering my girlfriend, who is now my wife, broke up with me the day of qualifier, and I shoot 48 and don't make it, so they had another <laughs> night of a qualifier. And I get on my knees and I grovel, which I've, I've gotten really good at that in my marriage, groveling, and uh, begging for mercy. And she has me back, and in the next qualifier, I shot 36 and made the golf team uh, as a ninth grader. And Freddie came by the house with uh, Pompano from Florida that was floating in that morning to the Augusta National. And Chef Clark thought he was uh, in his duty to give uh, some of that Pompano to Freddie. And Freddie brought it by the house, and he fried it up in our kitchen to uh, celebrate uh, me making the golf team and getting my love of my life back. And he said, man, I want to hear all about it. And that recipe is actually in the book, in the, in the Caddy's Cookbook. And she's put up with you for how many years now, Trip? Believe it or not, it's, uh, been, it's been 20. Yeah. 20 nice years, going. And, uh, we were, yeah, thank you. Thank you. We were married on uh, Halloween. <laughs> That's great. Quite, quite sitting, and I had uh, 27 groomsmen. I've been in 19 weddings at, at that time, and uh, felt like there were a lot of my friends who needed to go, go and rent a tux and take some cash. It was a, it was a great wedding. We, uh, it was more of a party. In fact, we, uh, uh, my wife had been married once before, and her dad said, uh, I'll pay for the reception, but I ain't paying for the wedding. <laughs> so we, we did the old take out a second mortgage and, and pay for our <laughs> wedding. And, and uh, you know, when it comes time to, you know, getting the horse and buggy and ride up into the sunset and throw the rice and all that stuff, I'm like, wait a minute. Hell with that. We pay for this damn thing. So we rode in the carriage around the church and came back in, and we blew it down to 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm, I'm paying for this party. We're going to stay to the end. There we you did. go. Well, Trip, t- tell us, tell us about a Caddy's cookbook. It, uh, uh, you got some great stuff in there. Caddy's chewing gum. I want to hear about that. Oh man, that was a classic, classic. Well, the, the idea of the book came from. I personally don't care for cookbooks, except for uh, Ina Garten, the Barefoot Contessa lady. Her stuff is really good, but you got to be able to, you know, know your way around a measurement, which I do not. I'm a dash of this, a sprinkle of that kind of person, and I always had been. But somehow I've, I've been able to create some pretty awesome dishes. Um, and that was for the emphasis of, of the Caddy's Cookbook. I wanted it to be fun. And I've, I've been blessed to hear people say, I read your cookbook cover to cover. And I'm thinking, who reads a cookbook? That's perfect. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I was hoping for. And with the Caddy's Chewing Gum, true story, there was a guy named Larry Fowler who was uh, an Army vet and also a phenomenal caddy. And we're out there with our regular group, which, uh, with you boys being in Minnesota, uh, his, his name was uh, Mr. Britston, Paul Britston, and he was from North Dakota. And he would winter, winter in Bemidji, Minnesota. <laughs> and I never saw him wear a sweater. I don't think he owned one. And he called me Abner, like little Abner. I never knew why about that. And we were out there, and, and Larry, like, a, you know, getting that oil, as Freddie would say. Um, the night before, and, and Freddie's butter beans, which were a great cure for a hangover, he'd make those in the caddy house, and you'd get a big old bowl full of those in the morning to cure what ails you. But uh, Mr. Brisson told Larry, he said, you show up tomorrow morning, and Larry was in our group, and Mr. Brisson would come down for a couple weeks at a time in February. He said, you show up drunk tomorrow with liquor on your breath, you're fired. Well, of course, Larry shows up drunk with liquor on his breath. But he's doing a very clever job of staying away from Mr. Brisson as best he can. Well, we're tooling down number two, and I look over, and there's Larry jumping like a pogo stick and reaching up and grabbing pine needles. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? Pulls them down. These loblolly pine needles are really long, and they're apparently they're very chewy, and he puts them in his mouth. He's chewing them. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the hell? And he goes, hey, and my nickname was White Boy, which wasn't all that clever, but it fit. Hey, White Boy, White Boy. And he's blowing his breath on me, and I'm like, damn, that smells like like a Christmas tree. So he comes tooling down the fairway with Mr. Brisson, and Mr. Brisson says, Larry, I smell Christmas. And he said, yeah, boss. And he's doing the old <laughs> kind of fake accent. He says, yeah, boss. He said, they pipe that stuff in here right after Christmas, keep the Christmas spirit going. He said, me and my granddaddy, we used to go cut down on Christmas trees and nothing but pocket knives and gumption. But ain't that a beautiful smell? Mr. Brisson said, yes. 
it smells like Christmas. He said, boy, they do everything out there, don't they? He said, yes, sir, they do. <laughs> <laughs> he called a guy's on chewing gum. <laughs> he, he kept his job. It's got to be a great read uh, trip with the, I love, well, for me, you know, with my attention span, like like five-page chapters and six-page chapters and four-page chapters, a guy can kind of uh, can kind of get through a chapter or two and put together a pretty good meal, I'm guessing. Uh, tell me about uh, things an Augusta caddy might carry in his pockets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a, uh, a grazer, kind of like a cow, snacker, and I always had... Everything in my pocket you can imagine. I mean, it'd be a pork chop sandwich, and I'd take two bites of that on number one, and that would take me through number nine. I had, we called them bone sandwiches, which was chicken, fried chicken, and two pieces of squishy white bread, and horse would push it down with his knuckles and wrap it up. Sometimes it'd be a sausage dog. All right, this is a good one here. Uh, my first day caddying out there, and I'm hungry, and I go to the, up to the window there where horse was cooking, and I asked for a hot dog, and he said sausage dog. I thought he misunderstood me. I said, no, I'd like a hot dog. He said, sausage dog. And he took up the sausage dog through the window. And it's like a, a like a pay window at, at, the, at the horse races with the metal bars and everything. So you couldn't get in there to whip his ass or him whip yours, I guess. <laughs> and and I said, okay, all right. And I'm thinking, well, I'd like a Coke. He said, grape soda. I said, no, a Coke, please. He said, grape soda. He slides a grape soda to me. I thought, all right, I guess you, whatever's on the menu is on the menu. But whatever's on the menu, I, I put those in my pocket and just tooled on, on down the fairways. And sometimes it was, uh, there was a caddy named Donahue, uh, who you may recall the, uh, the phrase from Delta back in the day, uh, uh, we love to fly and it shows. And Freddie called Donahue Delta, so he loves to drink and it shows. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have these 40 ounce, uh, crazy horse malt liquors in my caddy suit with, with huge pockets. I don't know why the pockets are so huge on those caddy suits. Uh, uniforms except for, I mean, to put a 40 ounce, think about that, a 40 ounce beer sitting perfectly in my pocket, sitting <laughs> in there. And we'd have to go off, we called it first thing smoking in the mornings, and, and I just handed it to Donahue, and uh, he called me his doctor to get him right with the chip, and, and uh, <laughs> he, ch- he chugged that bad boy, be gone by by the first green. And uh, one time, Donahue, good story on Donahue, he showed up just in bad shape, but his main man was in town, and he had to go out with him. So he puts the bag on his shoulder, and he's like spinning around like a top. Freddie said, that ain't going to do. So he put, Freddie put another bag on Donahue's shoulder. Donahue was upright and looking good, and he said, man, you're as balanced as the scales of justice. <laughs> <laughs> but I had everything in my pocket, Mac. I mean, you, you name it, it was in there. It was a can of sardines, boiled egg, uh, knit cheese crackers, bar none candy bars. If you needed something, I was, I was your man. I was, I was called Snack Man, too. <laughs> nice. Trouble Ultra Lights in the box. Trip is uh, is Chef Clark? Is he still at Augusta National? Uh, no, um, sadly he's uh, passed on um, untimely death. He's been gone, gosh, twenty five years probably, okay. if not more. Yeah, t- tell us about some of his secret recipes. Oh, get several of those in the book. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chef Clark, he was he was trained uh, by uh, French and Dutch chefs, so he was. I mean, he had a skill set about him. He's a South Carolina boy, actually, and. But uh, when he first got handpicked by uh, Mr. Roberts uh, from the Breakers down in Florida, and he gets there, and then Mr. Roberts is in town with some uh, of his heavy hitters, and they just done this big merger for him and, and made a lot of money for everybody. And Mr. Roberts is telling him, you know, we've got some national, we've got the best of everything. And he tells Chef Clark, I want my you know, my roasted lamb, I want my Parisian potatoes, I want my port, and I want my favorite dessert. And Chef Clark just said, yes, sir, Mr. Roberts, absolutely. What what might that favorite dessert be? And he says, uh, pound cake. And Chef goes, all right, I'm on it, I'm on it. Well, Chef wasn't on nothing. He didn't know cream brulee from a cream-filled donut, much less pound cake. He wasn't a baker. But he did know the Kroger, which I don't know if y'all have those in Minnesota. It's a grocery store there. And it was across the street from the National. So Chef slips across the gro- to the grocery store, gets a pound, gets a tin of uh, the Sarah Lee pound cake, comes back. Toast it up in the oven, stirs it up as a guest national secret recipe pound cake. Puts a little powdered sugar on it, make it look authentic. And Mr. Roberts is digging into it and loving it. And he says, boys, not not tell you, we got the best of everything here. Is this not the best pound cake you ever had? <laughs> so they're agreeing, and Chef Clark is, oh, you know, save the day. And he comes back out, and 
ask Mr. Roberts how the meal was, and, and everybody's happy. And Mr. Roberts says, uh, just one thing, Chef, uh, if I may. And he said, yes, sir. He said, uh, I'd like the recipe. And Chef says, uh, recipe for what, Mr. Roberts? He says, the pound cake. Oh, hell. So for the rest of the season, which ends the third week in May, Chef Clark is ducking Mr. Roberts. He's trying to get this recipe for Sarah Lee pound cake, which, of course, there isn't one unless you know Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, at the end of the season, Mr. Roberts comes into the kitchen and says, Chef, I don't know why you've been ducking my ass all season long, but I want that recipe for the pound cake so I can take it up to my private chef in New York and get him to make it up for me and the wife and get him back in good graces with her because, you know, I've been gone all year. And Chef goes, you know, there's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. He says, Mr. Roberts, that pound cake, it's, it's Sarah Lee. Mr. Roberts wasn't like the rest of us. He's never shopped in his life. And he said, what? And he said, Mr. Roberts, pound cake, sir, it's Sarah Lee. And he says, what? He said, Mr. Roberts, that pound cake is Sarah Lee. Mr. Robert pauses and he says, I don't give a damn. If it's Robert E. Lee, I want that recipe. Get Sarah on the phone. <laughs> Good secret recipe, yeah. yeah. Keep it up in the cupboard. <laughs> yep, put it in the cupboard. And the, uh, the secret recipe for the clam chowder, which is absolutely fabulous, uh, it's Campbell's soup. <laughs> and with a little bit of bum- bumblebee minced clams and some clam juice, and then Chef would take these uh, new potatoes and kind of nick them up when he cut them, leave some skin on so it looked authentic, and he'd sprinkle a little bit of parsley on top and serve it up. And it was Campbell's soup. And Freddie would actually bring in these black uh, trash bags to hide the cans and throw them in the back of the station wagon so they didn't know. <laughs> Trip, why were Freddy's green beans the cure for the hangover? Actually, it was butter beans. Oh, butter beans. Okay. butter. Oh, yeah, butter beans. Right. Yeah, yeah, I misread it. The green beans. Uh, Freddy did the butter beans. And it was a cure because it was uh, greasy, but not greasy. It was greasy, but not uh, I'm sorry, saying this, I'm saying that backwards. It was grease, but not greasy. So it would slide <laughs> down the gullet, you know, because you got the cotton mouth working bad. <laughs> And it would, it would stick to your ribs, so you didn't feel like you were going to blow chow on the course. Which I had done before, on number, number seven, behind, right behind the pine tree there, where the big scoreboard is during the tournament. And I even read the putt. I said, two balls in the left. <laughs> that, was a, that was a wild night. Um, and it just it does stick to your ribs, uh, goes down the gullet. And besides that, it was just damn good. Made it with a honey-baked ham bone. Oh, so it had a little tinge of sweetness to it. It was, it was wonderful. Magical and tender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that recipe's in the book too it sounds good the whole book is just loaded with uh, really anything desserts and entrees and snacks and soups and uh, man it looks uh, it's it's just gonna and a, and a great story and a great story to connect every yeah. every one of them yeah, yeah well, I, wanted, I wanted the book to be um, I wanted a fun read and behind every wonderful recipe in all of our families worldwide there's a story behind it where, where it came from and I wanted the readers to know that story, and also I want it to be the kind of cookbook where you know once you make that recipe, then make it your own, put your own little spin on it, or, or don't don't have to go back to a cookbook and look it up. How do you make the green beans? How do you make the butter beans? Then you'll know. Maybe go back and read the stories and have a good laugh, and be, you know be interactive and, and have fun with it. And I think I think the book pulled it off that well. I had a great editor in uh, Julie Gans that I give a little shout out to uh, Scout Horse Publishing. She was uh, fantastic. In fact, I, I mentioned in the acknowledgments, um, she knew when to uh, release the Kraken and when to rein in the Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> Trip, where do, where do people find the Caddy's Cookbook? Uh, well, it's actually on, on all the usual suspects, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and whatnot. But uh, I love for people to come onto my website, which is uh, com. That's Trip with two Ps, com. And just follow the prompts, and you can order it on there, and I'll personalize it for you. And, and I, I love to do it that way. Over at can write a little nice little note in there, put their name on it, and, um, you know, be a cookbook for life. Beautiful. Well, we're going to try to get you up here this summer to tell some, some of your tales So uh, for some people in, in uh, live rather than on the radio. <laughs> oh, I would love to. I would love to. I'd be honored. Yeah, I, I do that all over the country. It's yeah, we everywhere, so. Well, that's good I'd stuff. Be to come up there. Well, Trip, we we really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sh- sharing some of your stories. And uh, what a great Masters it was this year! Oh my 
gosh. And I was there for 86 uh, after I took a wee nap on 15 in the uh, firethorn bushes and was woken up by a security guard, told me I needed to wake up, which now you do that, they cart you off in a, probably an armored car. But uh, I was there for 86, and that was phenomenal, you know, when Jack won uh, like he did. And, and it's funny, because I, I, I tell people far and wide that the Tiger was done, even though my mantra is Jack Nicholas's. My, my clubs ain't rusty and I'm not done whenever I'm out there playing, you know, now I've gotten older. And Tiger's clubs weren't rusty and he wasn't done. No, he was, was not. Crazy. Wow. <laughs> that was just, uh, and, and you knew it. And every and the thing was the guys in his group knew it, the guys on the leaderboard knew it, and they just dropped like flies. Tiger's back. That's right. You say, it's great, great for the game of golf. Yes, it is. Well, beautiful. Well, thanks again, Tripp. Have a great Easter weekend and uh, we'll look forward to getting the book. Thanks, thank you, Chris, and uh, thanks, Mac. Always a pleasure, Jens. Thanks, Trip. Thank you, Trip. Y'all take care. Bye bye. That's Trip Bowden, author, caddy, raconteur, and chef, and uh, <laughs> and so much fun. Nice to have him on the show. You're listening to Lakes Woods and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. You're listening to Lakes Woods and Irons with Chris Foley and Colin McDonald at 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Welcome back to Lakes Woods and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you, 1380. KLIZ, the fan stream at com. Thanks to our sponsor, Mills GM, for that. Also available now at Podcast One. We catch uh, Chris on the uh, uh, at the course on the practice tee today, like he is a lot of times with uh, playoff baseball and girls' uh, playoff golf and uh, teaching. And uh, our schedules are not always perfect, but... Uh, we catch you at work, and I'm at work too, Chris. So let's uh, squeeze right. in some golf, all right? <laughs> Anytime's a good time to talk about golf, on that. Yeah, and especially today after that, uh, girls put on a fabulous performance. The uh, Brainerd Warrior girls team. I should uh, be clear on that. And uh, boy, what a comeback! And uh, they're going to state for the first time in 20 years. Yeah, really, really a cool story. And uh, this group of girls is really they. You know, all year they've they've played well. And they just keep getting a little better and a little better. And uh, it's really neat to see how dedicated they've been and uh, really neat to see their you know, their success after so much hard work. Tell a little bit of the story. You've got some firsthand knowledge there with Katie, but a couple of the girls uh, uh, birdied the 18th hole, and, you, and the two teams end up, I think, at 161, Alexander and Brainerd tied. So uh, I'd say those birdie putts were fairly big late in the round. Yeah, huge. So the they so Brainerd was down uh, seven shots on Alexandria after the first round on uh, on Tuesday, and so so Wednesday they made up a seven shot deficit to tie uh, to tie Alexandria, who you know traditionally Alexandria always has has great teams, and um, but uh, daughter Katie birdie did the 18th hole. She was playing in the in the first or second position. Uh, Anna Krieger birdied the 18th hole uh, <laughs> in the first or second position. So that, and I think Anna uh, was their fourth player out there. She makes birdie. So uh, as the groups all came in, they, those four low scores, they were tied, and the way they, they broke the playoff was went, went to the fifth score. Uh, which was Alexis Mangini, who had had 84, and uh, so she shot six shots better than the day before at 90. So uh, really neat to see these girls all gel. And, um, you know, se- several of the girls had their low rounds for the year, and uh, it's a cool story. Yeah, it sure is, catching uh, a magic in a bottle, as they say, and uh, it's such a fun – the team game is so fun. It's uh, kind of getting reporting. The college – the college uh, – uh, game has been on this week as well, men's and women's. Uh, same kind of deal where it's a match play, Ryder Cup kind of feel to it. Uh, you kind of get the momentum of your team, and then you're not, you don't have the usual pressure of golf, which is always there on your shoulders. Now you got uh, your teammates riding along with you, so it's uh, it's something to rise to the occasion. No question. One one of the neat things about this team, you know, we've got three senior girls: Abby Polkamp, Ellie Bymark, and. Um, uh, Alexis Mangini, and um, those, those girls were in our what we call our Girls of Golf Excellence program. Uh, three years ago, we said, you know, your senior year, you're going to state, and uh, they didn't believe it at the time, but just kept working. Yeah, 
<laughs> and uh, as we got as they got closer and closer, that that belief, or you know, that goal became more of a belief, and uh, so very cool to see it happen. Oh boy! Congrats to the girls. How fun! And now they get a little bit of it. You get to work with them for another week or so before they go play in the state tournament, Chris. A lot of those girls. Yeah. So. This is old hat for uh, Coach uh, Todd Persons. He takes the adaptive floor hockey team and wins the state championship and now uh, switches gears and the girls go to the state tournament as well. <laughs> well, I, I said to Todd yesterday, I mean, he's got a dynasty in, in uh, floor hockey going. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so th- th- hopefully this is the start of his dynasty in golf. Yeah, he's got some young girls on this team, that's for sure. Yes. Chris, as a, a coach from a coach's point of view and a teacher's point of view in your case, um, you know, you get you've got a variety of uh, of uh, students from kids this age and younger to twenties uh, uh, and thirties, and then my age and older. So you see people uh, inch along progress wise, but it's got to be fun in these teenage girls because they don't inch along; they take leaps and bounds in their young careers. Yeah, they really do, and especially you know, especially these kids who work on their games over the winter. And, you know, a lot of people say, you know, everybody thinks that there's an advantage to playing golf in the South. But I, I really believe we have an advantage in the North because if, you, if you're playing golf in the South and you can play outside year-round and you're playing tournaments year-round, you really never have an opportunity to fully work on your on your golf swing and change your golf swing because you've always got to worry about shooting a score. Sure, yeah. And, and it, with... With our winner and having the downtime, you can really focus on making swing changes and making your swing more efficient. And when that happens and you hit the ball so much better, you, you know, you're, you're automatically going to, if you invest a little bit of time in your short game, you're going to shoot better scores. Yeah, no question. So that's uh, going to be fun for you again another week or so teaching uh, some of the youngsters before they head off to state. And in regards to uh, teaching, we had a uh, question, Chris, about uh, club fitting, which you do a lot of. The question was kind of open-ended. The best way uh, to approach club fitting, uh, how often do you do you need to get your clubs fitted, and and um, when does it help your score? That kind of thing. How often does it help? Yeah, you know the the hope is always when you when you buy new golf clubs that you're going to play better golf. Right, and uh, <laughs> and and so sometimes that happens, and sometimes that doesn't happen. And you know, the, the clubs aren't the only answer, but it's it's part of the formula. You know, you got to look at your your full swing and your short game and your clubs, and then there's the mental side of the game. So you know, there's there's a bunch of things involved. But you know, when it comes to club fitting, you really want to do it in in an unbiased way. What I, what I mean by that is going into a fitting. And having an open mind to try a lot of different golf clubs, because uh, every everybody makes a great golf club today, and you can get golf clubs that fit in, you know, with every every manufacturer. But you really want to do it and compare clubs and see how they perform. And so you want to go somewhere one where they're they're using some type of launch monitor technology, whether it's TrackMan or FlightScope or foresight or some, something that, that measures uh, the club dynamics as well as dispersion and distance. And you need to hit your golf clubs first. So you establish a baseline of where you're at. That'll give the fitter a, a baseline of where to start. What the, you know, based on your swing, we, need, we should try these three or four clubs. And then hitting those clubs side by side and comparing the data of each and seeing what what performs the best between those golf clubs and and there's always going to be one or two clubs that come to the top for each person based on their swing characteristics and that that's the club you should you should go with um, and too too many times people go to a fitting saying hey, I want X golf club and you know they're they're, they're still going to get a good golf club if, if it's fit properly for them. But they might not get the golf club that's optimal for them. I would guess there's some unconscious uh, thinking in there, too, when you're trying three or four club uh, brands, say. You know, maybe you have two that uh, rise to the top, like you say. Some of that could be just your own memory of, yeah, I hit a ball similar to that, you know, whatever great round I played in my life. And somewhere in your memory banks is that uh, idea of that shot, and then this club kind of reminds you of that, I would think, and 
and then and then of course then do it again right try try and do it again <laughs> that's right and you know what one thing that uh that I think's really important is you don't want to hit more than a maximum of three to five shots per test with each club okay and the the re- the reason I say that is as the the first shot it really when I'm watching somebody, I put the most weight in. Because golf's a one-shot environment, and when we're out on the golf course, we only have one one opportunity to hit hit the shot. And it, as we hit more and more shots with that that golf club on the range or in the fitting environment, we start to adapt to it. Sure. So after three, four, five shots, we can start timing it, and then they all start you know they all start feeling pretty good. But those first couple shots are really where you want to put the most weight in. And if the golf club fits you, it's going to be much easier to hit as you change from club to club to club. And really, any time of year, I would guess, huh, Chris? Guys are maybe a little just getting into their games here in the spring in this part of the country, so uh, uh, probably a good time to get fitted, I would think. Yeah, I think you know you want to make sure that you you practice a little bit, played a little bit, so you're you, so you're having uh, striking the ball okay. Yeah, uh, but really, any, any you know. Anytime's good, and it's always nice to have a have some new new clubs to start off the year with. Yeah, yeah, very true. So I know somebody who's got a track man can fit you. <laughs> Name's Chris we, Foley. We can help you with that. There and he has, go. you know, once in a while you'll get a gem from Chris. He's taught me, and you know, I'll hit a good shot, and Chris will go just do that every time. It's words of wisdom like that, Chris, that really pay My off. Line. <laughs> Chris, uh, thanks. Good week, and uh, congratulate Katie for me, would you? We'll do, Matt. And Thank all you. those all those girls that come out to work with you this week, that would be great. What a performance. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Thanks for listening to today's edition of Lakes, Woods, and Irons at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Today's broadcast is sponsored by Craigan's Legacy Courses, Tito's Handmade Vodka, Rutgers Bay Lake Lodge, The Tea Hive, The Holiday Station on Mill Avenue, and Maury's Market. Streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com, sponsored by Mills GM. We now return to our regularly scheduled program at the Lake Sports Talk 1380 KLIZ, The Fan.